My Gavanin, one and all, welcome and thank you for joining us on The Literary Baptists. Uh, we're here with a special episode this evening. Uh, it's going to be different than our, our usual that we've built up at this point, but uh, I think a very, a very fun uh, episode. So uh, uh, I'm joined, as always, by, by Zach, Nick, and Maddie. How are you all doing this fine evening? Haley. Fantastic. Hi. Wonderful. Everybody survived the uh the big freeze. <laughs> Just barely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you southerners aren't used to uh the the ravages of winter. Yeah, it turns out our house isn't very well insulated. Ooh. Yeah. We we did okay in our neighborhood. There was a, a city in Alabama that had like so many pipes burst that it was like causing a like a real emergency in in citywide like oh it's pretty bad oh yikes yeah the government had to get involved that's right yeah yeah there were like announcements from the city you know about you know, make sure if you own a business, go turn your water off. Like <laughs> we, can't, we can't get to everybody. And it, it was, it was pretty bad. But it's, it just doesn't stay that cold here for that long. Yeah. And that was, that was the real issue. But Yeah. Today it's like 70 <clears throat> degrees right now. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It got seven. It got a pretty warm today. How it should be all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in South Florida, so I might have a skewed version of skewed uh, view of things, but that's how it should be. <laughs> you shouldn't be going negative. No. <laughs> it's not okay. The the negative days can be pretty fun. Uh I I remember Speak for yourself. We, we, we had one <laughs> Well, everybody everybody's talking right. about these they call them bomb cyclones now, which is just the dumbest phrase. Uh, I think it's a translation. Because they're da bomb. They're da bomb. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Well, Good I remembered uh, they used to call them like a polar vortex or something like that. I don't know if it's <clears throat> actually the same weather phenomenon anymore, but it could be two different types of phenomena. But I remember the last time that we had a freeze like this in like quote unquote Arctic conditions, we had those. Um, you see those pictures of those snow rollers that basically look like like. Um, rolls of toilet paper made of snow that the wind like as the wind blows snow it like rolls across the ground and freezes together and so this whole like roll of snow will will go across the ground and then you like you wake up in the morning and there's there's all these like paper towel rolls in, <laughs> in your yard like oh snow rollers that's cool that's happened two or three times up here uh, at least in my I lifetime. have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> really? I've, I've never I've seen never that. seen or heard of this. <laughs> You've never heard of the whatsoever. snow rollers? No. It's oh, like Ohio's all. tumbleweeds. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> we, oh gosh. My mom has a picture of me when I was a kid. Uh it happened one winter, I forget how old I was, 10 or 11 maybe. And there's a picture of me just like standing next to one and you can like, there's like a hole in the middle. So you can actually like, you can see through to the other side on this, on this roll of snow. It's phenomenal. It's so cool. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some pictures. Did you put like, you know, the mini 
G.I. Joe, you know, the put them inside like they're surfing or something. Like you could you probably could do that depending on the size. Some of them were big, some of them were little. And you could uh yeah, you you could probably make some interesting pictures out of them. That would be cool. Yeah. They it was it was cool. But we got gypped. We didn't have any of those this time because we didn't actually have enough snow. So I was I I felt a little cheated by that. <clears throat> I wanted We didn't have any snow. Cold. We just had really really cold weather. We had snow. But it doesn't stick together. It just is like fluffy, you know. It's like dust and then it melts. It's like dust big, in the wind. Big old flakes can, that just disappear when they hit uh, the ground. You can't like make snowmen or snowballs here. I, I don't think we've ever had a snow where it wasn't just blown around in the wind and then you can that melts. Man, I'm, I'm so stuff. sad for you guys. Yeah. That's so much fun. I was I was in graduate school when I first saw snow. Um, so and then wow. it was in Waco, Texas, and we did make snowmen and we did have snowball fights, and I participated completely because I don't care. It was my first time seeing snow and I will act like a child because it's really fun. You, now you I'm wanna, just driving in it. So Yeah, like when you first see snow, like when it's your first time, regardless of how old you are, whether you're an adult or you're a kid, you just want to go jump in that stuff. I did. Like throw it around, like make a snowball or or if you're really lucky, it's the right kind of snow where it becomes an ice ball. When you make a snowball in your hand, it'll just turn into ice. And then you chuck that at your friend uh, in the face and then they hate you forever. Wow. That That's escalated how we quickly in the north. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of does. snow, I read somewhere, I don't remember where, but around Christmas time that we have Charles Dickens to blame slash and or think, depending on your perspective, for expecting a white Christmas. Really? At- yeah, I guess it was like he they had like eight Christmases in a row that it snowed and then like never again. It's only snowed like two times on Christmas for them since. But he wow. had all these associations with the white Christmas. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting, hmm. especially being from the Southwest where it can snow where we were. We were high desert, but it rarely hmm. did on Christmas. But it was always very disappointing when you did not have snow on Christmas. So thanks, Charles Dickens. <clears throat> wow. Uh, fun fact, South Florida, growing up in South Florida, we never had a white Christmas. <laughs> I'm so surprised by shocking. that. Yeah. <laughs> shocking. Yeah. <laughs> shocking. Those poor poor Australians. Yeah. Yeah, summer or uh Christmas for them is like barbecue season basically. Like everybody's outside in the yard. At the beach, <laughs> living the summer so life. So I've weird. been to the beach more on Christmas than I have been in snow on Christmas. Um, so you know, de- depending on the kind of sand you got out there, it could be a white Christmas. No, we have brown sand. <laughs> <laughs> white sands, Insane. white seagulls, white uh, white yeah, the seagulls uh, will make it white. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do with a little dot of black in there. Yeah. Hate those things, <laughs> but we didn't have that as bad as places like Galveston. <clears throat> I had a yeah. seagull 
steal my McDonald's cheeseburger in Sydney, Australia once. The entire cheeseburger? Yes. I had Gosh. this. It was because we were in Sydney. It was expensive. It was like $8 back in the day. Ooh. And I walked out to the harbor to eat my cheeseburger because I was a hungry tourist. And it attacked me and stole my whole cheeseburger. I tell you, everything's different wow. there. <laughs> at, at least it wasn't a huntsman spider, man. Yeah. The, oh, the dangers of Australia strikes again. Seagulls. When you went to that McDonald's, did it have a sign on it that just said Macca's? <laughs> I don't remember, honestly, <laughs> but probably. I know. I've seen pictures where there are actual McDonald's in, in various places in Australia that just say Macca's instead Macca's. of McDonald's. I feel like Nick is doing like a performance review or something. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you say something, something and he starts down. writing it down. What kind of legal pad is that? Uh, the legal pad, as a matter of fact. The? The legal pad. Okay. I wrote well, down, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to mention a book that I read this year <laughs> just because it fits into the conversation. So deal with it. All right. Uh, so I just finished Who reading books. The, not me i'm done after reading this book i'm done with books forever putting them off so charles dickens the same guy who created unrealistic expectations um great unrealistic expectations. yeah i was gonna say great expectations um, top top level joke right there good job yeah uh he so after christmas carol which is a great book he wrote some other Christmas novels, sort of. And the second one that he wrote is The Chimes, which is actually more of a New Year's book. And <clears throat> I just finished reading it, and it is awful. It he It is clearly <laughs> the guy's just trying to cash in on the success of Christmas Carol. And I don't recommend it at all. Uh, if you read it right after Christmas Carol, <laughs> you'd go from wanting to be charitable and caring to just saying you know what i don't even care anymore uh like <laughs> it makes just, you into scrooge it, it turns you back into scrooge so um <laughs> don't like i kept thinking like don't they have workhouses and prisons for all these people uh <laughs> <laughs> Want to Send them to the, the population kept, uh, you know the the surplus population just kept popping in my head after reading all this stuff. <laughs> so, um, so there are some great then, books, uh... but don't read the chimes. It's bad. <laughs> I don't know about the other ones. Uh, the other, I think there are three more Christmas books that he wrote, mm. but you can skip the chimes. It's bad. I remembered hearing something. Oh, it was, uh, so I listened to the um, the Christian History podcast. It's a fifteen seventeen production. Uh, it's a daily podcast. It's normally only like six minutes long, but they started doing these weekend um, editions that are like half an hour long, and they're usually some sort of a deep dive into a particular topic. And so the host Dan Van Voris was doing one uh, specifically about Charles Dickens. Uh, he did. He also mentioned that uh, the man who invented Christmas movie, which he also really liked. Um, but he mentioned the the multiple Christmas works of his um, that and basically he's like, yeah, Christmas Carol is the best of them all. If you want to read them, you can. But you've really got the best of it with with Christmas Carol. 
And a lot of his yeah. later work, it, it's kind of in that vein of he's just like just trying to bring the money in again. Confirmed. Well, except David Copperfield the is, is good. Awful. <clears throat> and that well, was that's not one of the book. official ones. It's like the cricket on the hearth. And there's another one with ghosts, Christmas ghosts, I think. I don't know. But the chimes you can skip. It's terrible. So, um, what was there, what was the deal with like Christmas being like ghost story time? I've never understood that, but that was that was like the thing. I guess it, Christmas Carol probably brought it in. Um, well, Dickens according that to Van, too, I guess according to Van yeah. Boris, it, that's not the case. That he was actually writing in the Christmas ghost story tradition. And that basically he's the reason that we don't tell ghost stories anymore because now we tell stories about Christmas. <laughs> it's so weird. But I don't know that he ever explained Like, I don't know if he dug up actually where the tradition came from. But Well, it kind of reminded me a little bit when I did the deep dive for like the history of Halloween on my other podcast. Just, Good plug. you know, good job. The, uh, <laughs> Uh, What's the name of that podcast? Yeah, Grassfed and Graceland. I haven't done anything in like two months because I'm a slacker. But uh, but when I did the deep dive on Halloween, there was a lot of kind of that uh, Celtic influence in telling ghost stories in that time period that Charles Dickens was writing. So I don't know how much further in advance that was, but it was. And you kind of see that if you watch that movie. The man who invented Christmas. The movie shows him being kind of inspired to write the story based on like a housemaid that's telling the children kind of a, a ghostly tale. And so I don't know how accurate I didn't, I haven't had time to go look that up or anything, but it, it did remind me quite a bit of just kind of how a lot of our Halloween traditions and stuff have come to fruition. It's kind of the same idea. And even in the movie, she talks about how, you know, on the eve of Christmas, it's like the spirit world is in this in-between state. And that's kind of how they treated uh, the time period around Halloween as well, especially if you go back to like Samhain type stuff. So maybe it's like a UK thing. Yeah, the the <clears throat> that character in the movie, in the man who invented Christmas, she's supposed to be Irish, I think she said. I think she said she was Irish, so. Um, so that makes sense. Some Charles Dickens over cultural history. <laughs> <laughs> so. What a hack! Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I, I think just finished the chimes. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty much. Uh, You're pretty down on I'm, Dickens right now. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> enough. Christmas Carol's enough great Dickens. book. Yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. Done. I almost quit reading because of it. <laughs> Worn off reading. <laughs> Nothing good can come of this. No. And yet we persist. Speaking yeah, of which... I'm not actually going to quit. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, we, we've all done some, some reading this year. Some we've not enjoyed, very obviously, and some that we have enjoyed. Uh, so we thought on this uh, on this episode, which, uh, according to my calendar, is the first episode of 2023. So uh, happy uh, New Year, everyone. Woo woo. Um, yeah. Uh, huzzah. 
for the significance of the passage of time. <laughs> uh, so we wanted to uh, kind of do a little wrap up of our of our reading year uh, of 2022 um, and maybe just kind of give an overview of, you know, what we did, if we uh, if we met any goals that we may have set or may not have set and uh, and share any any quotes that really stuck out to us. So, um, Zach, would you like to go first and sort of give a little I, summary of what you've been reading this year or, or last yeah, year? I'll, I should I'll be say? I'll be happy to to go first. Um, I, honestly, I didn't. I, I think I said this before on one of our previous episodes that I, I really didn't read as much this year as I have in previous years, at least not until toward the end of the year. Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't put time into it. I had a lot of other stuff taking time away from, from reading. Um, But there were, you know, there were a few things that I've just enjoyed and I've I've kept up with them. Uh, Ongoing series from some favorite authors uh, like Brandon Sanderson, (laughs) Woohoo, Sanderson. Yeah. Um, but he Yeah, you and the torrent of just rabid internet fans just going crazy right now. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Always going crazy over Sanderson. Um but he he usually releases several books a year. Um and this one is The Rhythm of War. Uh, I don't know if you can see it very well. Um big book. Um, but it was the fourth book in the Stormlight Archive, uh, which begins with The Way of Kings. Um, and I, I spend most of my reading time, I guess, in uh, fantasy worlds. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really enjoy Sanderson's writing. Um, he does a good, uh, really good job of world building and and um, magic systems. I guess is kind of his focus: world building and magic systems. Um, with uh, with someone like Tolkien, you get a lot more of the the highbrow vocabulary. Um, uh, you get less of that with Sanderson. He's more readable in that way, but still. Mm-hmm weaves a really well thought out story um and it's entertaining um uh, another author that i've really enjoyed reading is will white um and i've kept up with his series uh, it's it's um the cradle series which sounds weird it's not anything about babies um <laughs> But it's it's essentially the, the cradle is the name of a it's a planet basically that um, fosters certain life, <laughs> um, and there's a whole lot of different layers in the story, but it centers mostly on um, a few characters that are trying to grow in power to combat. Um, just a threat to all reality basically (laughs) like universe ending stuff you know um so it's all about how do we get to the next level uh so i've found that i really enjoy stories about characters that are pushing themselves to hit the next the next level whatever that is and it's 
sometimes it's clearly mapped out and sometimes it's not so clear. So, but anyway, Brandon Sanderson, Will White, uh, those are two authors I would recommend in the modern uh, fantasy genre. So it sounds like you would really enjoy Dune. You know, <laughs> I, I got to listen to about half of Dune and I still need to I'm, I'm going to have to buy it, I guess, and just read it. But um, the first, I would say, quarter of it, I was pretty bored uh it was it was hard to it was hard to get through but it started getting really good after that like it took a lot of time to to get to where i was like okay i'm interested now so, he took his sweet fat time setting the world up the, the galaxy up i i should say the the universe yeah uh, there's so much you're like i have no idea what this is talking about like i don't know what this is in reference to and bunch you're of just, jargon yeah it's just you have to build that up a long time and then it gets good. But that, I'm, I'm that's something to finish it. <clears throat> Brandon Sanderson does really well. I'll give him credit for that. And he, he does kind of carry you along through the world in a narrative yeah. way. He's not just yeah. setting out, you know, a whole chapter full of jargon for you to know, you know, he's, he's carrying you through it all. He, he does, he does very well at that. Yes. Keeps you hooked, I guess. Very good. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maddie, would you like to go next? What have you been reading in 2022? Yeah, sure. So I think I've read 58 books this year. There's a chance that I've forgotten as I scrolled through. It's like, you know, I think there's a couple that I didn't put in there, but because uh, I keep I keep track on Goodreads. Uh, that's been real helpful. And it's also very motivating to keep reading. Um. It's raining a lot right now. I don't know if you can hear that, but it just started pouring down. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but yeah, I've read like such a myriad of stuff. It was actually, and I've read for the majority of the books that I've read this year. They've all been really good books. So part of that is just because I've had the liberty of choosing the books I want to read. And most of them are like recommendations or highly beloved books. So that's kind of added to the benefit of enjoyment you know um reading it that way there's a couple like top contenders this is the first year in a couple years that i've actually read a lot of fiction i think i started reading because in the past i'm known to like pick up a fiction book and never put it down and that's hard to do when you're a mom and you have responsibilities and people to feed and uh sleep to sleep you know, because I, I I could stay up till three or four in the morning reading a good book if I wanted to. But that kind of died we out. We all for understand me. what it's like to be a yeah. mom. That's an interesting <laughs> yeah. perspective because I've never been a mom before, but I, I can't wait for it to happen. <laughs> all you have to do is want it and believe it and you can do right. it. I, I, I'm every woman. There you go. We believe in you, Lee. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, just having that. So like nonfiction books are easier to set down generally speaking you can just set them down and be done but fiction you're like in a world and you're living in it and so it's a bit harder but I think I started well I started doing a lot of fiction with my kids and so that's kind of kept the fiction going but that's you know dependent on them being around to listen to it 
but we finished early in the year, we finished the Green Ember series and some of the side stories for that. And that was really fantastic. And I'm just going to plug family reading. If you're not doing it, like if you have kids at home and you're not reading books together as a family, I'm going to encourage you to do so. Um, a, a large reason why I like that, a lot of the like homeschool type podcasts are talking about the read aloud family and stuff like that. But what I've loved about it is that our, our whole family kind of bonds over these stories. So like we have our own like inside jokes that are based on stories. Like we named our rabbit Picket after the character in Green Ember and we'll just make little jokes. And it's it's been fun because my kids are entering into the teens. They're preteens and teens. And I love that we still have that together. So reading reading these books or listening to books, because we picked up some audiobooks. We did a road trip this year to see the Ark and the Creation Museum in Kentucky. And we listened to The Hobbit by Andy Serkis um, on a road trip. And that was an absolute blast. Funner than the movie. Obviously, The Hobbit movie isn't very good. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Can concur. Um, but not yeah. as bad as uh, Rings of Power. <laughs> I would almost disagree with that a little bit, but that's a whole other. What? <laughs> with Maddie on that up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, like, what's her name? The chick that shows up in The Hobbit? Not even a real character. Anyways. Oh, Toriel. Yeah, Toriel. We, we, we digress. We digress. <laughs> but we listened to The Hobbit and we started The Fellowship um by Andy Sir- read by Andy Circus as well oh. on the way home. Oh. So, it's just been really fun. And what's fun for me with doing the audiobooks is my family's I've already read these books. And so, and they're both my son and my, and my husband are super into Lord of the Rings movies, but they've never read the books themselves and they're kind of reluctant readers themselves. And doing the audiobook has been really good for that and it's introduced them to just the beauty of literature. And how much more you get in the story than when you watch the movie. And I, th- I think that's been really fun um, just to do as a family. So, you know, the Lord of the Rings books I did this year, we finished Green Ember, we started Wing Feather Saga. So a lot of those highly popular books, you know, in our circles for sure were really good. And then um, I picked up Emma by Jane Austen. For the first time this summer and that was kind of a bold move when I look back to start reading Jane Austen for the first time with Emma because it's I think other than Mansfield Park I think it's one of her bigger books uh, but anyways it was great and I loved it I loved her insightfulness on human nature and that was just a really fun read and then um, Dracula so I had a couple rereads this year that were from high school actually dracula is one of them i remember liking dracula in high school and then thinking about it this year is like you know i don't even know if i'd still like it like if i wrote it now everything that i know now and all this kind of stuff so i picked dracula up again and pressured you guys into reading it with me (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it did not disappoint me for sure rereading it again i i think i enjoyed it probably even more than I did in high school in different ways. Um, So that was, but what was cool is that it had been so long that I didn't remember how it ended. Like I had vague memories of like what happened, but it was kind of like 
reading it for the first time. And then one of my favorite books this year to read was Jane Eyre. And I hated that book in high school. Absolutely hated it. Partly because I read, I cheated and I read the spark notes. I only read like half of the book and my English teacher kind of ruined it for us. And it was just, I couldn't understand. I didn't under, like, I knew how it ended and I couldn't understand why she, anyways, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but, um, I read it this time and I really absolutely loved it. It was a fun, fun read. And she had me Googling words on basically every page. I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. That like, is oh, such guess, a great experience. Yeah. I guess I need to know what that means. I guess I need to know what that means. Um, one of the so many benefits of reading good books. Yes, absolutely. Just vocabulary exploding. <laughs> it's well, much it's, easier with a Kindle or something like that, though. I yeah. love that feature on a Kindle. Yeah. Yeah, I like real books, so I don't read it on a Kindle. <laughs> Snob. <laughs> I do. I do want to try a Kindle at some point, but I, I do love building a physical library and having a book in my hands. Um, but and it. That's something that I think discourages a lot of people from reading kind of some of the older books is the vocabulary can be a little bit dense. Um, but I think if if you're curious like me, then you'll probably look up a lot of the words. But I think if you just keep reading, like you kind of figure it out contextually anyways, um, and then maybe revisit on a second reading. So Jane Eyre is definitely... That's, that's good poetry advice too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You guys have kind of introduced me to poetry. Uh, I've talked about it before that I am not a poetry person. I've had bad experiences with it, but it is really helpful to reread it a few times, usually because poetry is pretty short, generally speaking. Um, and then, and then, yeah, because I think I've always felt the pressure to understand the poem immediately. And because I couldn't understand the poem, I was like, I hate it. Because of your fiction brain. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That's I was like, why can't I understand it? But yeah. Um yeah, so that's good. And then uh Beowulf was another just always heard of Beowulf, always referenced Beowulf. I had no idea what it was. I thought it was that stupid cult class classic movie that was supposed to be terrible or something. <laughs> like I had no idea it was even a book until recently. Um <laughs> but I just had so much fun reading Beowulf. I was nerding out and very excited and um, drug my kids along with me to reading Beowulf as well because we were doing that time frame in history. And that's what I've loved to do in in our history for school is incorporating works from the same time frame in that so that, that they can really be immersed in the world, as it were, through literature. And, and so that's been a lot of fun this year. And I've also read a lot of fantastic nonfiction books. I recently finished a book by uh, Robert Lethem on Eastern Orthodoxy from a reform perspective. I think it's called Through Western Eyes. I don't have it right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And that was very helpful because Eastern Orthodoxy is always something that like we don't really understand fully and people are like, I don't really know what they believe. So that was neat to interact with it. Um, from a reform perspective, I liked that a lot. And um, a biography that I read is about Anne Judson, who is the wife of Adoniram Judson, and they were missionaries to Burma, which is present-day Myanmar. Um, 
And wow, like if you want to talk about Christians who are like sold out for the gospel and winning souls, um, yeah, take sold that out, Arminians. S-O-U-L-E-D. Yeah, take that Arminians, Calvinists <laughs> like to evangelize too. Uh, it's true. It was it was just a fantastic. In fact, because we are we are the literary Baptists, I have a really cool. A commonplace quote here from her journal that's in this book. The book is called My Heart in His Hands. It's written by Sharon James. I think the newest edition, they just call it Ann Judson of Burma. I think they removed My Heart in His Hands because when I tried to search for it, it was really hard to find. But I think the newer printings are just Ann Judson by Sharon James. But she does a really good job um, in here. But Here's one of the quotes I liked that it was as early on in their mission and she's writing all these journal entries and her husband Ad- Adoniram has been um, dealing with some of the Baptist uh, missionaries. Who's the Baptist guy who was in India? Super famous. My brain's washing. William Carey. Yeah. So he's, he's interacting with William Carey and he's being challenged on some of his... Um, Pato Baptist beliefs. And so he's struggling with it and she's not she's not happy about it. So she writes to her friend. She's writing a, a letter in her journal to a friend and she says, I felt afraid he would become a Baptist and frequently urged the unhappy consequences if he should. But he said his duty compelled him to satisfy his own mind and embrace those sentiments which appeared most concordant with scripture. I always took the Pado-Baptist side in reasoning with him, even after I was doubtful of the truth of that system as he. We left Sarampamore, probably said that wrong, to reside in Calcutta a week or two before the arrival of our brethren. And as we had nothing in particular to occupy our attention, we confined it exclusively to this subject. We procured the best authors on both sides, compared them with scriptures, examined and re-examined the sentiments of Baptist and Pado-Baptist, and were finally compelled from a conviction of truth to embrace those of the former. Thus, my dear Nancy, we are confirmed Baptists, not because we wish to be, but because truth compelled us to be. <laughs> Woo-hoo! So many Baptist right. happy dances right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> We still love you, Pato Baptists that are listening. We still love you. But maybe I, you should grab some books. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but that book is just, uh, I highly recommend it. Man or woman, read it. It's just an awesome, very insightful and inspiring. And she was a, a very bright mind. Um, and you can see that for sure. She really worked through a lot of theological things and, and lived it out in real real time. So super inspiring. So I would definitely recommend that, especially coming up in our reading challenge. Whoop, whoop. Um, which spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at either calling those out or just dropping spoiler alerts. But uh, take notes, my friends. And then uh, I just have one more. Well, I don't know. How am I on time? Should I yes, stop? Yes, do it. One more. Okay. One more. Okay, so mm-hmm. another book another book that I read that I liked this year uh, was The Medieval Mind of C.S. Lewis. And so that was pretty good. And there's a couple quotes. I might actually pull another one of these up later in our discussion if it comes up. 
Um, but I really liked this um, where it's talking about kind of Lewis's take on um, people's obsession with being up to date and in the know and reading the news. And he really was struggling with like the speed and the fast paced life kind of, and, and he really wanted things to slow down. So I liked this quote in here where it's talking about uh, Lewis and it says in a second passage in surprised by joy, Lewis targets newspaper reading, mocking the falsity of the desire to be up to date, which he labeled as, as an appalling waste of time and spirit. Those who do read the newspaper acquire an incurable taste for vulgarity and sensationalism and the fatal habit of fluttering from paragraph to paragraph to learn how an actress has been divorced in California, a train derailed in France, and quadruplets born in New Zealand. With age, grew more and more pessimistic about modernity, how it tends to annihilate space and increase in speed, melt down everything into liquid modernity and to occupy our minds with an endless and meaningless rush of flotsam and jetsam. The bustle and self-importance of these quote-unquote real-world concerns permeate our minds and make us feel that the task of study and attentiveness are somehow unimportant, outdated, or passe. Wow. Yeah. That was a tour de force. <laughs> um, I love that whole section, though, on that chapter. That's so good. You should post it on Twitter. <laughs> I don't think it would fit. <laughs> Gotta wait till they what increase a tweet the word that would be. <laughs> but it's so true. Yeah. And, and I think it's hard. Uh, mm. So many of us get kind of spiraled into anxiety because we know, I feel like we almost know too much about what's going on in the world that like we can't yeah, process our, our, it. Our, in our a brains weren't way. built to take in that much information and that exactly. much bad news, especially. Exactly. And, and just the obsession of being in the know and everything. And it's so contrary to how we, think now because we have so much access to news but man, it really limits your attention span too yes really. oh, i yeah. think i think that mine has been really affected over the last few years oh yeah just yeah. i i find well, that i have a much harder time sitting down for long periods of time to read or to really do anything i'm just like okay <laughs> yeah like can you watch a movie without being on your phone and scrolling at the same I, time. I can do that, but it, I'm I'm multitasking through everything I watch, yeah. even YouTube videos, like yeah. picture in picture on my phone, and I'm I'm doing something else. <laughs> One of the things about that like constant <clears throat> flow of information is that you don't have time to analyze it critically mm -hmm. and yeah. determine whether what you're getting in terms of news or from anywhere whether it's true or not you basically like shorthand it by saying is this guy on my team or not mm -hmm. sometimes and and you just kind of go from it from that point but your team is wrong sometimes yeah uh so how dare you it reminds <laughs> me uh i don't know how you say his name is it anthony troll or Trollope? yeah anthony Trollope. Trollope. yeah yeah that book that nick recommended um the warden there's that section there where he's kind of going after the kind of tabloid writer of the day. And it's the same thing. But now it's like not only are people just getting these little bite-sized nuggets of news and running with it, but now it's like headlines. Like you know, people mm -hmm. don't even read the article anymore. They just see the headline. And if you if you click, like I make it a habit to click on these articles and read them, you find that the headlines are very misleading. But it just oh, yeah. creates 
it just creates this whole hype. And, well, and, and you always have access to the headline, but very rarely anymore do you have access to the entire article as well. Right. You know, at least in, in Trollope's day, you could buy a newspaper and read every article in it, it you know, depending on how long it takes you to read it all and process it uh, as far as time goes. But you could at least access all the information. Now, right. you know, you can't. The best you get is the little snippet or the comment or uh, the 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 retweet with comment that somebody shares on Twitter. You know, that that's all the information you end up getting if it or or you find a way behind the paywall. It's very annoying. Yeah, I tried to share an article today and it was behind a paywall. So it's a good story, Nick. Yeah. Messed yeah. Up. I was I was listening. I sometimes listen to uh, YouTube videos done by the Daily Stoic, and uh, some of his stuff is really interesting. Um, and I'm a I'm a budding philosopher anyway. <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, um, chapter was, and verse. He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was talking about, uh, you know, people talking about how you uh, in order to be an informed citizen, you know, you got to sit down and watch the six o'clock news and you need to, mm. you know, you need to read all the newspapers or all this stuff. And he said, I'm pretty sure the only way uh, to truly be an informed citizen these days is to shut out all those outlets and read history. Yeah, like that's the only way for you to really understand what we're going through now and what's going to lead what it's going to lead to. Um, and how to see, you know, ways around our, our current problems is by looking to the past, not whatever kooky thing people are coming up with right now to get clicks. Well, and, we've become I, so, I think he's onto something there. Yeah, we become so like decontextualized from history, reality, that it's, I don't know, like, I don't even have the words. It's just shocking how how people view the world because because of that they like live in their own little bubbles all the time but yet because of the news and stuff like that they think that they are so much more informed than people before them doom scrolling doesn't inform anyone you shape your views and everything based on what you believe about history and if you cut and you only focus on one part of history and i think uh, americans today History basically started at World War II. And <laughs> like, I don't. Because that's I mean, what if the you movies go, say. I mean, kind of. Like, there are some things that they'll talk about. You know, they might have, uh, they might talk about slavery or something like that. But even if you go to, in a used bookstore, you go to the history section, it's going to be like 90% World War II and later. Uh, yeah. You're not going to find. Th- the entire rest of history which is quite a bit uh, i don't know if you noticed <laughs> but there's a lot the earth is there's more a than 100 years old yeah uh, we're young earth creationists uh, but not that young <laughs> yeah exactly 1776 <laughs> i don't know thus thus generally ends i mean i could talk so much more on everything that i read but I'll I'll leave room for y'all. Saint Nicholas, what do you have for us? I have you slapped Arius yet? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did that. I do it every year. I, just, I, <laughs> I go to the local Kingdom Hall and just <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just find some stranger. Um, <laughs> 
Just smack them. Um, so, like Maddie, I also keep track on on Goodreads. I'm a little bit more inconsistent. I'll come in like every few weeks and just say, "All right, these are the ones I've read in the past few weeks and uh, and everything." But um, I had a lot of political uh, reads this year. Um, I, I was very involved in politics, uh, and so a lot of them have kind of that theme and one of them is a history book i read xenophon's anabasis uh his um the, the army goes into persia um to to kind of usurp the the king of persia they win the battle but they lose the um the the head of their army the persians so they have to escape and they do it um so it's kind of a fun one but it also gives you a little bit of um this perspective on just how kind of pointless some of these things are. You have this huge battle and it just turns out to be completely useless, Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. which is a lot of that political stuff that I was involved in this year ended up being kind of useless. So, um, (laughs) all is vanity. Exactly. Uh, so, so I've had that. I, I did also read, um, so I, I've not been a big fan of audiobooks in the past, but I started listening to audiobooks this year. One of them was Medieval Mind of C.S. Lewis. I listened to that as an audiobook, which probably isn't great for an audio one, but I thought they, the folks did a really good job. But the first one I listened to that really got me into it was called Red Scarf Girl by Zhili Jiang. I don't know how to pronounce Chinese names. So Ooh, interesting. that's probably off, but it's about the cultural revolution and it is really sad. <laughs> Uh, it's about a girl who's growing up uh, during this time when Mao is saying we need to get rid of the old China and and uh, go to a new China using basically young people as squads to go and tear down statues or criticize people for not getting on board with these new ideas. Um, and uh, a few people had recommended it and, and kind of made some comparisons to the past few years as well. Um, it's not quite as extreme. Uh, people weren't being sent to re-education camps and things like that, but it was uh, it was pretty terrifying. And some of the similarities were um, uh, interesting. Um, and while wow, I'm critic, on, critics compared it to uh, the Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe. is it intense like that? It's it, it's horrifying. She keeps you know, these, these terrible things keep happening and you got, and you think she's finally going to think that Mao's the bad guy and just, she's like, but Mao, you know, Mao said so. Oh my goodness. Like, Are you, so you're continuing on this and you know, it, it's, uh, it's really sad. Um, and, and that's a, a period in history that I didn't know much about China, Chinese history. I mean, maybe we were taught some of it in school, but it didn't stick, but the cultural revolution is something that I think we don't we don't get enough we, we don't get enough to. instruction on that. Yeah, it's a great book, and the audiobook is is good too. I I don't remember who did it, but um, I'll I'll have links in the show notes for the 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 books that we I'm trying to get as many of them as I can for the books that we mentioned, but I do have to mention I, I'm looking up this one on Amazon. The paperback's only eight ninety nine. Like, there's no reason for anybody to not buy this book. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, I'm going to, 
I'm going to skip some of these that I that I wrote down. I I read a book by Graham Greene, and it's called The Quiet American. He always has these books that that come out right before huge events. So this is a book that takes place in Vietnam, but it's right before he wrote it right before the Vietnam War. He wrote another book called Our Man in Havana, and it takes place right before the communist revolution. Like it's, he he writes these things and then like the next year or something, the country just falls apart. Um, And Green destroyed the world. Yeah, I I blame him uh, for most of the 20th centuries. He destroyed his own life. So why not the entire century? Yeah. Now it it was taking place during like the French period of the the Vietnam War. The I guess they called it the French Indochina War, uh, and and that's kind of the big point is war is bad. Uh, yeah. So Xenophon shows you how useless it is, and Quiet American kind of shows how it's more. It well, it's useless, but it's also sad, um, and uh, <laughs> that's really the biggest thing. Like Phineas Finn by Anthony Trollope. I read that this year. Big long novel the pointlessness of things uh, of political work, you know, you have all these things, parliament, you know, they're working to do this or that and something happens and it all falls apart. There's, it doesn't always, uh, (laughs) you can't always tell a great Hollywood ending in, in reality. And I think, I think the books that I've read and the life that I lived (laughs) this year (laughs) speak to that. That sounded uh, so dark. Living Ecclesiastes <laughs> over here. Yeah, politically, not everything, uh, but just politics doesn't always work out that way. Um, I read G.K. Chesterton's Eugenics and Other Evils, and um, science. Chesterton, another based papist. Yeah, yeah. Like Tolkien. I love him. I, I, yeah. I love Chesterton. Um, he, uh, he saw that science isn't always, you know, you, you can't always just trust the science. And, um, and well, I don't know was, what you're talking about. What? I'm talking about eugenics. Eugenics. Thus, the science <laughs> said it was fine. Yeah, the science. We was trust wrong. the science. said so. We're going to have a disclaimer <laughs> yeah. on this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. The well, men in the white coats said it was okay. And, and Chesterton's like, no, this is bad. And, and there are some other things in there. And he he always has this weird blind spot about Calvinism. He's he's always uh, he, he makes shots at it sometimes. And it's like, I don't think you understand it. Uh, but wasn't but it Piper? Most other things, wasn't it Piper who said, like, I don't have a problem with what he says because he's not actually addressing Calvinism anyways. That's pretty much true. <laughs> I mean, that's not a direct quote, but it couldn't be worse than anything Leighton Flowers has ever said. It's close. He, blames, <laughs> <laughs> he had the biggest blind spot, but but everything else, it's like, yeah, you got that right. You you've really thought about it there, and then he's just like, let's blame it on the Protestants. It's like I don't know, man. Those <laughs> Protestants are like half the people though. reading you now. Classic, yeah. You fell for the classic so. blunders, <laughs> <laughs> but. Some of the things that he said, some of the issues that he was dealing with, with scientists and politicians having a close relationship and politics influencing science, um, some of those seemed familiar to me. 
And yeah. so I thought it was a very interesting. I don't, I don't understand why. <laughs> no what are you talking about Nick. You, you have what? such a big brain. That What's fascinating so though ideas. about what you're saying with the Protestants though is I think sometimes they're not wrong in that you see kind of this weird link of like Protestantism with like the Enlightenment moder- like modernity issue. And really a lot of times they're more of the mm-hmm. progressive Protestants mm-hmm. at the time. But yeah, so even mm-hmm. then sometimes he's not wrong, but it's not true historic mm-hmm. Protestantism. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he's talking about the main line, sure. Yeah. But but he does talk about Calvinism sometimes. And it's like, you don't know what Calvinism is. Yeah. Sorry. Uh and but but with the mainline criticisms, I mean a lot of those you could you could uh you can go with the Roman Catholic Church right now. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> yeah, or yeah, I mean I can support them. Yeah. both ways uh so yeah, and, and rome isn't removed from any of those they're very uh, they're as mainline as 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 the mainline protestants are like it's all it's all various shades of the same color yeah yeah no one's going around saying that pope francis is like a, a traditionalist or a conservative in any kind of way um what's so funny though about the science part like not trusting science is in that in the ann jetson book She's being slowly poisoned by mercury because that was the doctor's treatment for whatever ailment she had. And so she doesn't realize that that she's following doc. And the doctors don't mean ill will. They just don't know what they're actually doing. They were following the Hippocratic Oath. They just didn't know what they were doing. Exactly. They're trusting the science. Fortunately, science has gotten past all that and science is (laughs) infallible now. Yeah. Yes. So... Mm -hmm. Man, it's a good thing. Most Even though they messed evolved. up. Yeah, it's perfect now. <laughs> they don't mess up ever. So um, so that's good. I'm glad we've moved past but, that. <laughs> so that's my my big themes were were political. Uh I also read I, I might mess this up. Vindicii contra Tyrannus. <gasps> oh that's um, on my bookshelf. Yeah, I, I Canon Press did a um mm-hmm. a version of it and um it's very good. It it talks about what the foundations of like the Protestant foundations for what government is and wh- when you can oppose the king. And and there is, you know, like there are some situations where you can impose a uh a um you you can depose a king and um so i think i think it influenced the american founders kind of makes it like all right this is okay it's not uh it's not against the bible uh, and it i think it's pretty convincing as well he's writing in the huguenot or huguenot time period in france my so favorite you're, french you're at the anonymous now <laughs> so yeah basically we're getting yeah, the big spotlight no. out on you. Tell us. <laughs> I am not a theonomist, but uh, I do think it, it's a good book. Yeah, Junius Brutus, which I think was a, a pen name. Yeah, they, they don't know. There are different. There are a few, five or six different like candidates for who wrote it, and no one really knows. Is it is, by reading it? Could you tell? Was it one voice, or could it have been multiple people writing it together? Did it or did I mean, it I was have that a translation? So, well, I guess I, that's true. Yeah, 
I'm reading a translation, but it, one it, voice. It seemed <laughs> those universal. Yeah, it was very organized, and so it, it could have been the result of conversations, and then it became one. It, but it, it seemed very organized. I didn't get that sense at all. Cool. That it was different voices. Excellent. Yeah, that's my list. 